Nebraska Public Media Sports brings you Nebraska baseball. Catch our live coverage as the Huskers meet the Indiana Hoosiers on the Diamond at Hawksfield at Haymarket Park in Lincoln. Watch Friday, May 10th at 6 p.m. Central on Nebraska Public Media. Welcome to Hurt at Sports Radio. Um, I'm never going to apologize for bringing in good players. I'm never going to apologize for bringing in competition. We live in a day and age now where everyone's still trying to find the best situation. I, I think you should try to find the place where you can get developed the best because no one knows how things are going to work out. So I'm, you know, as long as I'm not taking away your scholarship, I'm not going to apologize to you if I'm bringing in someone else. And I want players who want that. Like, I want to be the best, so I have to probably play with the best and compete against the best. And so that's why I respect Daniel so much for the decision he made. Kicking off hour number two here on Hurt Out Sports Radio. I'm Ravi Lula. Andrew Rogers here with me. We're live on AM 590 ESPN Omaha ESPN Tri-Cities. Joining us now on the Warhorse Sportsbook Hotline is our guy Mitch Sherman from The Athletic. Mitch, how are you today? I'm well. Robbie, Andrew, how are you guys? Good morning, man. Good to see you. We, Good morning. We are doing well, you know, coming off of a – a big national signing day for Nebraska. Um, I know you've been covering Husker football for a long time. What, um, I guess, you know, the, the Callahan years had some really good signing classes as well. I don't know, I don't know if you go that far back. Um, I, I guess where does this kind of rank for you in terms of, like, off-season excitement levels that we've seen at Nebraska? Uh, it's up there. I think just the Dylan Rayola, um, that one little narrative itself is in the top two or three. Um, it's it's hard to think of something that was more monumental than that for Nebraska to sign this quarterback. And it's not just that he's you know a top ten player nationally or was the number one prospect in this in this class for much of the cycle. It's that he's been on the radar for Nebraska for two and a half years. I think that, and that he's named Riola. I think that all bundled together makes that singular event of of him committing on Monday and coming back into the um, into the picture last week and and then signing yesterday. It was all just such a whirlwind thing because two weeks ago we were not thinking about. Dylan Raiola. We weren't talking about it. And I truly believe that neither was Matt Rule. Um, you know, the only connection that stayed within the Nebraska program to Dylan was his uncle. And and I don't know that we'll ever hear. I mean, maybe if Dylan makes it to New York someday as a Heisman finalist, and and I'm not setting that as the <laughs> bar that he needs to reach but you know if he I, wants to do that, Heisman or bust <laughs> yeah, that'd, be, that'd, be a, that'd be a good story to cover uh <laughs> maybe at that point um you know the, the 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 questions would get would get probing enough with with Donovan uh Donovan is not super forthcoming with uh just like revealing personal uh, details. Matt Rule. Matt Rule is, and Matt Rule will tell you pretty much anything that he's thinking, um, at least as it fits his strategy, his communication strategy. Um, Donovan Raiola's communication strategy is is different than Matt Rule's, <laughs> and while he has opened up some, 
in his second he did in his second year in the program and i think is a is a friendly guy when you talk to him it's not that it's not that he and certainly he is with recruits and with people that he meets around the program but he's not i don't know that we'll ever hear from him exactly how he felt through this process like honestly from the time that dylan committed to georgia in may up until last sunday when he's calling matt rule and dominic raiola is making phone calls to former players from his era to gauge what they think about the Nebraska program and what's happened in the six months that they've kind of been out of the loop. You know, the only guy who stayed connected was Donovan. And, I, and I, it's, 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 he's a closed book when it comes to that. And, I, and it'll be really interesting to see if we ever find out exactly, you know, were they playing the long game? And did he think all along, yeah, we just got to wait this thing out and wait until signing day comes and we're going to get back in with Dylan. I, I don't know the answer to that, but I tried to answer every other question that I could with the piece that's out today on The Athletic about how Nebraska pulled this off. Yeah, Mitch, I wanted to bring up that uh, that piece that you wrote uh, on The Athletic. I think you just tweeted it out about an hour ago um, on The Athletic. So if you're not a subscriber, you absolutely should be. But what were some of the things that you did find out, some of the tidbits that you did find out about how this came to be? You mentioned Dom kind of reaching out to, to former teammates and things like that. What were some of the little nuggets that you were able to uncover that were the most interesting to you without obviously spoiling your, your piece there? No, I'm happy to spoil it. Um, <laughs> Go subscribe to The Athletic anyway, but he's going to spoil it. Yeah, well, um, I mean, I can't, I can't get into the, the details of, the, of 2,000 words or we'll be talking for an hour, but um, – <laughs> But Dominic, uh, at the same so at the same time that that Dylan reached out to Matt Rule on December 10th, this was a week ago Sunday. Um, Dominic was doing his diligence behind the scene, the scenes, and he uh, connected with with uh, some former teammates. And you know, one of them is Damon Benning, yeah. um, who, who of course you know well, and have talked to about this on the show. Um, I heard it. Um, driving in my car one day last week, and it, and it it got me thinking to uh, to talk to Damon. So thank you for that uh, that little kick in the in the pants. And you know, Damon shared some of the things with me that he shared with you, and and we talked for quite a while about um, what what Damon and 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 Dom talked about on that Sunday. And and it was interesting to hear how um, as their conversation uh, uh, developed and and progressed that uh you know damon texted matt rule about it and matt rule responded with with the exclamation point um emphasis <laughs> um like yeah yeah man i know i know I'm, I'm i'm hearing it too like obviously i think rule had some kind of a sense that something might be going on from his offensive line coach and um you know dominic has talked to jay foreman um they were teammates at nebraska in 97 and 98 you know damon and dom um, they just, their careers bumped up against mm-hmm. each other. They weren't in, on the team at the same time, but Jay um, and and Dom were, and they were they were close and have stayed close. And and he was another confidant for uh, for Dominic through this process and and lended some advice. And he lended advice to Dylan too about the um, just the support system that he would have if Dylan did choose Nebraska. Um, but not just on the coaching staff. Of course, he has his uncle on the coaching staff, and he has people like Jay um, in the community around Nebraska, around Lincoln, who are there for him if he needs something that you know he doesn't feel comfortable going to, to his position coach or his head coach about, and he needs to talk to somebody outside the program. There's options for, for Dylan um, to go to numerous people um, in the community here and just how valuable that is. And, and he also emphasized to, to Dylan, Jay did, 
um, that, you know, there's an opportunity for, for Dylan here at Nebraska that Jay didn't have at Nebraska, that, that Dominic didn't have at Nebraska, that Donovan didn't have when he played in college at Wisconsin, that Jay's father, Chuck Foreman, didn't have when he played in college and he was an NFL player like, like, um, like Dominic. Um, and, that, and that is to be someone who comes in and changes a program. When those guys that I mentioned who played at Nebraska walked in in the 90s, Nebraska was already at a certain level and they helped elevate the program, but it wasn't necessarily a program altering, program changing type of player. Um, you know, Tommy Frazier, he did that for Nebraska, but, you know, Dominic showed up five years later. Um, they'd already won national championships. So um, it's hard to say how much that all swayed Dylan. I think in the end, there were a lot of factors and the biggest one. Um, was that it, like, like he said, um, this is family. This is in his blood. I got a tremendous sense of that when I was in Phoenix in February and talked to all of them um, about just what what motivates them. Um, you know why they do what they do. Why Dylan works so has worked so hard at football over the years and studied it and and, and poured himself into the game. And so much of it came back to family. I left that that those conversations. Um, you know, nine or ten months ago thinking that he was going to end up at Nebraska. Um, you know, it took a, a route that uh, not everyone foresaw, but the fact that he's here now, um, looking back at that, uh, it doesn't surprise me. Mitch, as you kind of take a look at the quarterback room as a whole now with the addition of, of Dylan Rayola and Danny Kalen, uh, you see Chubba Purdy enters the transfer portal last night. Obviously, Jeff Sims has al- already entered the transfer portal as well for Nebraska. So um, as you kind of like, take a deep dive into what they have right now. How are you assessing it? And then also, uh, what do you think Nebraska is looking at right now in terms of adding maybe some veteran help, somebody with some games under their belt? You know, Casey Thompson's name was tossed around a little bit um, last week and this week, but if it's not him and it's somebody in the portal, who do you think they're kind of eyeing up? Yeah, well, pretty leaving um, or, or getting ready to leave. He's not officially in the portal, but, you know, it's going to happen. Um, his parents say it's happening. So that's, that's about as, as good of a source as you can get on that one. <laughs> right. I feel like I tell my uh, parents most things and the things I tell them. Are yeah. true. <laughs> <laughs> if they're in the dark, then there's other problems, but um, that changes it. That changes the, the dynamic of the room for sure. Um, you have two true freshmen and Heinrich Harburg, and you've got Luke Longball, who's a walk-on um, out of Iowa Western. And you've got Jack Wosh, who's a, a walk-on transfer from, from Ole Miss. Um, it's a, it's a thin group, um, especially when you consider that at two of those players have no experience at the, at the college level. Now, um, Dylan comes in with a set of tools and, and, and skills and talent, uh, that are, that are rare. Um, but there is not a lot that, that, that you can trade to, for experience Experience is the only way you can get it is by going out there and playing. And even if he's the starter on day one, it would benefit him a lot to have some people around him who have that experience. Um, you know, we heard yesterday um, that this Casey Thompson thing is is at that point wasn't going anywhere. And the expectation was that that he's not going to transfer back to Nebraska. I, you know, I, I don't entirely close the door because um, and I'll probably get a call when when I'm done talking to you now. It says, close the door. It's not happening. Quit, quit I haven't closed it, it either. But, but I mean, hey, we heard that yesterday. And then Chubba goes in and decides to leave. You know, when Matt Rule talked at 1130 yesterday, he didn't sound like a guy who was who was expecting Chubba Purdy to leave. You know, his name came up in the in the press conference. And, and I think that they 
expected or hoped, um, still hoped that they would have Chuba out there as a competitor in spring practice. So, you know, but part of this has changed um, in the last 24 hours or 20 hours. So, okay, does that open the door for um, for somebody like Casey? And if it's not Casey, then could you can you find somebody in the portal um, either now? In, it, it, players can come out of the portal anytime. And there's this deadline uh, in, the, in the first week of January to enter the portal. Mm-hmm. Um, so whoever's in by January 4th or 5th, that's the, that, that, those are the only players you can get out until the spring. But then another period after spring practice in May exists to, uh, to, for players to go in. I, I think they'll look. I think that they'll, it, it's got, it's, it's, it takes a unique player mm-hmm. um, because you're coming in alongside the um, the five star recruit who is obviously seen as the future, and there are I don't know that there are a lot of veteran quarterbacks out there who are looking for a spot to come in and, and mentor um, freshmen. But maybe there's somebody, maybe there's somebody with a connection to this coaching staff who understands um, you know how they build and wants to get into coaching himself who who can fit that role, but. It'll be a storyline to watch from from now all the way up until May. Mitch, how about outside of the quarterback position? In term, I, I kind of want to marry uh, what we opened up this whole segment with, with um, early signing day and uh, the talk about the quarterback spot. In terms of areas of need, where do you think Nebraska has gotten better for next season one and two for the future? Maybe it's the same for both. Well, I think for the long-term future, they got better on the offensive line with this class. And, you know, we don't know the exact breakdown of everything as it relates to, you know, who's coming on scholarship and who's going to be on NIL um, assistance. Uh, and, and I guess it doesn't really matter because they signed six guys yesterday um, on the offensive line who are all scholarship worthy. Um, and that's that's a big group um, of offensive linemen. You know, you've I've seen it at five before, but six is a is a is a big group. And they need help at tackle. Um, right now, you've got Bryce Benhart and Teddy Prohaska in the program, and it looks good for your starting right and left tackle next season. Um, but we've seen those guys – well, not Benhart, but we've certainly seen Teddy Prohaska um, suffer su- some injury issues. Mm-hmm. And you want to have some depth there. And depth is not necessarily going to come from your uh, freshmen in the recruiting class. They do have Gunnar Gatula, who redshirted last year. Uh, who can play tackle. They might also look at him at guard if he's one of their top five guys on the line going into next season. Um, it depends on how some things play out with players deciding to come back from injury or or calling it a career. You know, I'm, I'm looking at Ethan Piper. Um, you know, Turner Corcoran's also coming off of a big injury, and um, you know he's he's had had multiple issues with his health too through his career. So we'll see um, you know how that progresses. But um, they got better on the offensive line for the long term future in in the immediate. Um, present of what's happening right now. I mean, obviously quarterback is the biggest thing where they made a change with these two true freshmen um, and just overhauled the look of the group. Um, you know, I'd look at tight end and, and, and stay right there and bringing in some really dynamic guys. I mean, it's a different group of players too. You have four players, you know, who are all some type of tight end. I, I, I've seen, you know, Keelan Smith even listed as a wide receiver, um, but he's kind of a, a positionless player that that Matt Rule talked about when he described Carter Nelson. Both of those guys, there ought to be ways in this offense, especially with the 
um, some of the issues with depth and experience that Nebraska has at wide receiver for, for them to come in. And, and, you know, I think in Nelson's case, definitely helped Nebraska right away. We'll see Keelan Smith had a great senior season in Kansas city and he played at a higher, much higher level of football than what Carter Nelson did um, in eight man um, at the in Nebraska. Um, it, it, I'm, I'm interested to see with those two and, and, and neither of them, um, well, I know Nelson is not, um, not sure on Smith, but I don't believe either of them are, are mid-year players. Um, when they do get here, that there's going to be an opportunity to, for, for them to see how they fit into this program. And then Eric Ingerson, um and, and Ian Flint are more of your traditional tight ends. Mm-hmm. So with what Nebraska has coming back at that spot and Thomas Fedoni now having a full year under his belt and, and Nate Borkertcher coming back um, and some younger players like Ismael Smith-Flores – I, I do think they got a lot better in that at that position too. We're talking with Mitch Sherman from the Athletic. Uh, Mitch, you mentioned that offensive line group, and I'm actually I'm fairly bullish on that group. They've signed. You mentioned the six guys in this class. They've signed eleven in the two recruiting classes that Coach Rule has brought in. Um, how? I guess my question for you there is, uh, how much do you think that positionless type of mentality? translates to the offensive line as well because I know you know we've talked about it with the tight ends we've talked about it coach will talk about it with the defensive backs as well we kind of have a lot of these guys it's like oh we're kind of worried about the tackle spots and we're not really sure here and there do you think they kind of apply that level of logic to hey we think these guys are athletic and move well and explosive we're just going to put them out there like how much do you think that applies to a spot like offensive line well I think they cross train those guys and they want them to be able to learn different spots but especially at tackle um, tackle's a tackle. And, you know, I think you can be a tackle and play guard, but I don't think you can be a guard and play tackle effectively. Um, especially if you've got a quarterback who needs time in the pocket and needs to be protected. If it's an option, an, an option attack, you know, a, a straightforward downhill running game, that's a different story. Um, but in a pro style offense, if you're going to throw it 30 times a game, if you're going to have a quarterback like Dylan Rayola or Daniel Kalen, you know, who is more of a traditional uh, pocket style passer. I think you need offensive tackles who can match up against those elite pass rushing defensive ends and backers who are coming off of the edge. So you can't just take a, a good athlete who's a positionless offensive lineman and stick him out there at left or right tackle and say, okay, go do your job. You know, they've run into some issues when they've tried to do that in recent years. But yeah, there's a certain element to that absolutely on the inside of the offensive line. I mean, a guy like Justin Evans Jenkins, he's positionless as far as as it goes across the interior. You know, I mean, he could ultimately be a center when Ben Scott's gone. Um, He can back up Ben Scott. You know, if something happens to Ben Scott, I think Justin Evans Jenkins can step in there. But he can also start for you at guard. Um, And, you know, they may take a guy who's a future tackle in the program. This is something that Iowa has done a lot in building their great offensive linemen and offensive lines. And they'll take someone who projects at tackle and ends up turning into a first-round draft pick as a tackle, and they'll play them at guard when they're a redshirt freshman or a sophomore. And I could see Nebraska doing something like that, um, as I mentioned a minute ago, with with, with um, a player like Gunnar Gatula or even Grant Bricks mm-hmm. as he comes into the program. I mean, Grant Bricks, eventually he projects mm-hmm. as a tackle because of his athleticism and his length and just w- the way that he can move. Um, but as you get him ready, if he's somebody who can help you and, he, and you can put him at guard, and he can move people in front of him, then great, put him out there. Mitch, we, um, we heard you say already about uh, the former players and how they've been 
kind of brought up in that conversation with Coach Rule yesterday in terms of, um, you know, kind of like big recruiters for the university. They're the best ones to be able to to hear from because they experienced what it was like to play football at Nebraska. Then you then you heard Coach Rule also mention Coach Osborne's name and, and saying that he's one of the best recruiters. You know, put him in a room with somebody and it's hard to tell Coach Osborne no. Um, and I just think that that was a cool piece because as the conversation went on during that press conference and a a listener pointed this out to me. You heard Rule say, we took a lot of safeties who we hope will rush the passer. We want to be the fastest team out there. And that's a lot what Coach Osborne did in the early 90s. I mean, just how much do you credit Coach Rule for being a lifelong learner and seeing that, hey, Coach Osborne made something work at Nebraska, and I think I can recreate it? Yeah, I mean, one of the things about him that's that's – that's great is that he doesn't close any doors for to, for to give himself opportunities to, to grow and to learn and to make himself better as a coach and, and a leader. You know, I think a lot of people in, in various aspects of, of football um, or sports, you know, they want to take a side often there, you know, there's, there's, there's two different factions. There's two ways to see it. And, you know, Matt rule um, I've seen over and over, over this first year at Nebraska is, you know, he's not, he's not like, he's not, he he want, he wants to 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 be able to capitalize on everything that's available to him, and you know if there's two camps and there's and there's and there's two ways of seeing things, like he's going to try to get both of those, um, the take the positive elements of both of those and and Im- improve the Nebraska program. So yeah, the the Osborne way of um, recruiting. And of being open-minded to different schemes, and and you know he, his 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 offense changed through his years. Uh, Osborne's did his defense changed and evolved through his years. I think you see elements of that with Matt Rule. You know the defense that he ran in year one at Nebraska was considerably different than the, than the defense that he ran um, when he was a young coach at Temple or when he was at Baylor. You know some elements of it, of it are the same, but he brought Tony White in. He learned from Tony White. Um, about what they what Tony wanted to do on the defensive side, and you saw the results in year one. You know, it's exciting to think what year two can be in that defensive system because there should be a pretty big jump, and they're getting so many of the key pieces back. Um, you know that that philosophy of having safeties who can play like linebackers. You know, it's 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 something that Nebraska has has used, of course, in some of its great defenses in the past. But you know, that's a that's a staple of the Tony White system. And you can see it in the way that they go out and recruit defensive backs, you know, in, in both of these classes and in, in what they added somewhat in the portal um, last year. There are so many of these athletes on the defensive side who just you put into that DB group. And there are five defensive backs in the system. So I get it. It's almost half of the defense. So you expect there's going to be a lot of spots used. But um you know, they can even yesterday on signing day, they just continue to add pieces to that defensive backfield. And you want it's like, does Evan Cooper just have carte blanche to be able to add? What, you know, he's Matt Rule's talent evaluator, his top guy. So I, I get the sense like if he wants somebody, generally he gets that guy. Like he gets to to pursue that guy, um, and they land a lot of them. So 
Um, we're just starting to see the tip of the iceberg, I think, because most of the players who played in that in that secondary were veteran types. We're, in 24, we're going to we're going to continue to see more of those young players emerge, and it'll be really interesting to see how um, all those pieces fit together. All right, Mitch, I'm gonna you got 10 seconds here. I'm gonna fit this one in quickly. I have to get a Christmas question into you in a Christmas karaoke showdown. Which holiday song would be your secret weapon? For me to sing. Um, that's not going to be a good idea in any, in any situation. Um, I don't know. I'll just go Silent Night, but I probably wouldn't be good. <laughs> Silent Night. I love it, man. Bringing the vibe down in the bar a little bit. Mitch Sherman, we appreciate it. Uh, have happy holidays. We'll talk to you later, Mitch. All right. Thanks, guys. Same See you, man.